Uh, thank you all for being here tonight. Um, thank you for those of you who aren't here tonight but are still with us online. Uh, I am, uh, I'm like really sick of the smoke. <laughs> uh, I feel like even when I was telling Andre at the beginning of the night, even when our state is on fire, our air isn't this bad. And uh, I don't understand that at all. Like even last year when there was ash in the air, because uh, the fires were so bad, I still feel like the air wasn't as toxic as it is right now. Uh, I made the mistake of um, mowing my lawn Saturday, which I guess was like the worst air quality on the planet was in Denver on Saturday. And uh, we let uh, Daisy, our daughter, play outside like most of the day. And uh, sure enough, the next day, she, <laughs> her little lungs just couldn't handle it. And she sounds like, she's better now, but she sounded like uh, she was 80 and had smoked her entire life. Uh, so that was fun. Uh, that was a, a bout of great parenting. You feel really good when you let your kid play outside in toxic air. So anyway, um, I want to start off tonight with, with a question that I hope uh, doesn't strike you as being too morbid. Um, what would you say to your friends and family if you thought that you were speaking to them for the last time? I think it's an interesting question. Um, at least an interesting thought exercise. What would you say to the people that you love the most in the world if you knew that what you were saying to them was the last thing that you would get to say to them? What would you uh, encourage them towards? What would you push them towards? What would you say? Uh, this is an aspect of Philippians that we, we haven't touched on yet, uh, but it's exactly what's going on in this book. Uh, Paul is writing... Um, Paul is writing to his friends from a, a jail, from a prison, uh, and he's facing the very real possibility that he'll be executed, which is eventually what happens to him. Uh, we think that uh, he actually ends up being freed from the stint of imprisonment in which he writes Philippians, but later, about five years later, he is rearrested, re-imprisoned, and does end up being executed. Uh, but whatever the case, Paul makes it pretty clear that he's not sure that he's going to make it out of prison alive as he's writing uh, to, to his friends. And so he, he, he's writing to tell the people at Philippi um, that this is the last chance that he might have to communicate with them. So he writes what he thinks is the most important things for them to know. And one of those things is a recurring theme or really one main idea that keeps uh, showing up that Paul really harps on in the first half of this book. And to look at it, we're actually going to uh, backtrack a bit. Uh, the first week of the series, we were in chapter one. Second week, we were in chapter two. This week, we're going to go back to the end of chapter one and read through until uh, about the middle of chapter two, which is going to take us uh, over and through what Shana talked about last week. Um, it's a chunk of scripture. It's not a huge amount, but it's more than we traditionally read on Tuesday night. And I'm actually not going to put it up on the screens. I just want you to listen. So don't, don't be looking up there because there's nothing going to be up there for you. Uh, do whatever you need to do to pay attention. I actually, I found, I don't know if this is my ADHD or not, but if I'm reading something while someone is saying it out loud, I end up not listening to what they're saying and I end up not paying attention to what I'm reading, which is great. Uh, so if it, I have to like close my eyes to listen. If that's something that you need to do, please feel free to. Uh, so we're going to start in verses one, or chapter one, verse 27. Paul has just told his readers that he isn't sure that if he's going to make it out alive um, of, of prison this time. But he lets them know that he's at peace about that. 
and, and that he does hope to get to see them again. So this is starting in chapter one, verse 27 of Philippians. And Paul writes, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved and saved by God. For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. Since you were going through the same struggle you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, any comfort from his love, any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value yourselves, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of others. This is now the section that Shana taught last week. Paul continues saying, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing, by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father." Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. And then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. But even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So at the end of what I just read, Paul talks about even if I'm being poured out as an offering, he's talking in referring to his potential impending death and essentially says, it's all so worth it if my efforts mean that you all live lives worthy of the gospel, lives that reflect the life of Jesus. And what does that look like to Paul? What does he keep pushing and encouraging the Philippians towards? In that passage we just read, which might be my favorite bit of scripture ever, Paul basically keeps pushing them towards unity. Unity achieved through humility. Unity that comes uh, from people actively looking for the interests of others. People actively looking to meet the needs of others. He says something that I think is really interesting um, right after that hymn section that Shana taught about last week on humility, which if you missed, you should check out. Um, I, what he says immediately after that is what I want to focus on for a minute. Uh, he tells them 
to be unified, to think of others above themselves, to look to the interest of others above their own interests, to live like Jesus did. And then he recites this beautiful hymn about Jesus, uh, Jesus's humility and his love. And then he writes this, picking up in chapter two, verse 12. Nate, you can throw this up now. Uh, He says, therefore, okay, stop there. Uh, I had a, a, a seminary, this, this, I had a seminary. I never owned a seminary, but I had a professor while I was in seminary who would always stop us when we read a passage that started with therefore. And he would say what I later found out is like a really big, like silly pastor cliche, but I had honestly never heard anyone say it before, but it makes sense. Cause it's super cheesy. Uh, he would stop us and say, okay, what's the therefore therefore? And everyone would just go, oh, come on, dude. But it's a good question. Anytime, there's so many times where people will just grab a bit of scripture and it starts with therefore. (laughs) And you have to ask, what are they talking about? Like basically, what is this person saying therefore about? What what, What does therefore mean? It essentially means based on everything I just said, it follows that fill in the blank. So it's really important to know what someone says before they say therefore right? So here Paul says, in your relationships with one another, uh, treat each other the way that Christ treats us. And then he explains in the hymn how Christ humbly uh, looked to our interests rather than his own. Therefore, Paul writes, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. So Paul is saying, this is what Christ did for us. Therefore, work out your own, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. There have been literal volumes of of thought written about what Paul means here. Uh, There are major tenets of certain theological streams founded on these two little verses, which I think is kind of of crazy. We're not going to get distracted by all of that tonight. I think Paul is saying here, "Let, let what God is doing inside of you pour out of you. Work out what God is working in you. Let what God is doing inside of you translate out into action let what God is doing inside of you, uh, what God is working on inside of you, translate into love for one another. Translate into looking to meet the needs of the people around you. Basically, Paul is saying, like, this isn't supposed to just stay in you. You need to, like, do something with this. So true Christ-like community requires intentional and active participation. Community is not a commodity that you passively consume. It's something that you have to actively pour into by intentionally acting to to love others. Taking action to look to the interests to meet the needs of others. That makes sense, right? Right? I hope so. Is that making sense? Great. (laughs) It's terrifying when you say, that makes sense, right? And everyone just stares at you like, oh, crap, I did something wrong. Uh, That's what Paul is saying here. But I wonder, do we here in this community even know one another's needs in this church? I think what Paul is describing here sounds really amazing. Uh, 
but it doesn't seem, uh, it doesn't sound like our church. How can we reflect Jesus to one another when we don't even really know each other? <laughs> is this kind of community that Paul is describing, a community that, that reflects Christ to each other and to the world, is this even possible in the 21st century? I think that's a fair question to ask. I mean, there's several reasons why this kind of community was much more realistic in first century Philippi. First, people lived really close to each other, right? Like if, if, if you got lucky, you would get around town on a horse. And that was like crazy. But most of the time, everyone, everyone was just walking around. Everything was in walking distance. Everyone lived within a very small uh, diameter. Everyone lived close together and their lives naturally overlapped. Additionally, uh, the cultures of the time and really humanity at this point in history as a whole was much more community oriented and, and community minded. Today, in, in our culture in the United States, we're much more atomized and we're much, we live in a much more individualistic culture, right? And now there are, there are people that will tell you that, that will argue uh, that we need to fight against the individualism of our culture and, and go back to a first century mindset. I actually, I personally don't think that one way is inherently better than the other. I think both have liabilities, both have strengths. I'm not really interested in trying to like turn back time. I'm interested in what does it look like for us to seek first God's kingdom in the context that we find ourselves in, which is a much more insulated and much more individual, why can't I say that word tonight? Individualistic mm. culture. Nailed it. Another difference between our community today and, and the one at Philippi is, is, or really any first century Roman, any city in first century Rome, is that we really don't need each other, right? There's not the same built-in dependence uh, that was inherent to the church at, at this time. There is an inherent trust built in the community that everyone's lives depended on within a church in any city in the Roman Empire. And that's because practicing Christianity at this time was illegal throughout the entire empire. And the punishments were pretty harsh. So that means anytime the church got together, this is kind of crazy to think about, they were all trusting every other person in that room with their life and the lives of their family. Like, that's pretty scary because it would take any, just it would take one person in the room to rat out everyone else there to the authorities and basically potentially end their lives. So every time you walked into the room together, you were putting your life, you were putting your kids' lives in the hands of everyone else in that room. That's kind of terrifying to think about, right? It's really intense. And it also breeds like a very close-knit community in ways that we simply don't understand in the U.S. today, right? So we live further apart. We live much more insulated lives. We live in a much more individual... <laughs> I can't believe that I wrote this into this talk so many times. You know what I'm trying to say. A much more individualistic society. Uh, our lives don't naturally overlap much at all. And we don't need or depend on each other the same way that people had to in Philippi. Add to all of this a pandemic, because why not, that has made it extremely difficult and downright awkward to try to connect 
with people or even learn to reconnect with people uh, and try to hold some semblance of community. So given all of this, <laughs> how do we build a healthy community in our current context where we can actually have a chance for our lives to overlap? where we can actually collide enough for us to even know each other's needs so that we can begin looking out for each other? How can we build a healthy community here in the Denver metro area in 2021? Now, I don't know what your past experience with church has been like. I'm not sure if, if you're used to being at a place where the pastor thinks or at least pretends to have an answer for everything. Uh, that is not how we roll around here. I can't even say the word individualistic right half the time. Uh, so I'm not going to pretend like I know the answer to how we can build a healthy community here right now, because I honestly don't. It's, it's a baffling thing to try to tackle. It's, it's really challenging. And uh, that's not really new for us, at least for the, it's been true of this church, at least for the last decade. But it's something that we have to figure out. So, will you join me in praying and dreaming about what this could look like? This isn't something that I can just proclaim from the front and everything will be fine. This is something that is going to take an active participation from the majority of us. This isn't something that we can wait to, to happen or, or wait to come to you. We have to build this together. So, the very first step that I'm asking is just for you to join me in praying for wisdom and vision and energy and imagination for what, for how we could grow together into community that collectively lives lives worthy of the gospel, like Paul talks about in our text tonight. And in the meantime, we actually do have a few ways that you can start pushing into community and even looking to the needs of others. Uh, there's three things that I want to talk to you to end tonight. The first is, um, we're in the midst of another wave of new babies, which happens around here from time to time, which is awesome. Uh, and something that immensely helps parents when they're bringing home a new kid is not having to figure out dinner every night while trying to also figure out how to care for a new human and figure out how to just still be a human themselves. Or at least it took me a really long time, both times I had a kid, to figure, re-figure out how to be a human. I had a baby, well, my wife had a baby in February, and I'm still not completely human again, uh, but I'm working on it. Uh, Justin Renault, who, who's been helping lead worship the past few months, he's been off for a few weeks because he and his wife, Missy, just had a little baby girl a bit over a week ago. And we currently have a meal train set up for them um, that we've pushed out on our Facebook and our Instagram, and I will at some point get it up on our website. Uh, but it's a page that you can go to and sign up online. Um, so you can sign up to help them right now, the Renaults. Uh, the Roys are due to have a baby any minute, <laughs> like literally any minute. And then uh, the Manrosses are due, I think, next month. And if not, sometime in October. I don't remember. I'm sorry, Manrosses, if you're watching. I'm sure that you don't actually care that I don't remember when your baby's going to be due. But the point is... Um, there's some babies happening. I'm actually probably forgetting someone too. There's probably someone else who's going to have a baby here any minute. Um, so the, the Renaults, the Roys, the Manrosses, and you may be thinking, I have no idea who any of these people are. And that's my point. These are awesome people that are part of our church. And some of you are like, I, I, I don't know who that is. 
So uh, find out, help them out. It doesn't have to be anything, it doesn't have to be like some huge thing. Cooking really intimidates me. Uh, cooking for other people is, is even more scary. So like it's, it's not offensive to anyone if you find out what their favorite restaurant is and bring them food from there, right? Like that's still, it's so helpful. I can tell you from my experience after both of our kids, the meals that we got along the way, the meals that we got from all of you went a really long way. It made us feel so loved. It was so helpful. So thank you all for that. Uh, please sign up to help our new parents. That's the first thing. Another thing is, uh, I've been saying this for several weeks now, and uh, believe it or not, no one has taken me up on this, but uh, you can come help out here on Tuesdays. Um, come a little early. Stay a little bit late. We could use some people each week uh, who are willing to greet people at the doors. Right now, if new people come into the doors uh, and a service hasn't started, they don't really know what to do, or they, they feel like they have to sit in this room by themselves, which is like, we. the last thing I want is for people who showing up for the first time and just feeling really awkward and not knowing what to do. So let's fix that. You can help me fix that. Nikki could use some help in hospitality and, and, and making and setting up coffee every week. I could use help with setup. If you're sitting in a chair tonight, guess who put that chair there? I did. And that's not like I'm not asking for like a pat on the back for that because like, you know, it's honestly, it doesn't take that long, um, especially these days. But I hope that's a temporary issue. And uh, I would love to hand that responsibility off to a couple people every week who could be responsible for, for setting this room up. If none of these sound appealing, we can always, always use more help in the nursery or the primary class or the elementary class. Uh, volunteer to help out with the kids one Tuesday a month uh, for six months. Just six months, six Tuesdays is what you're signing up for. Get to know the kids, and from that, get to know their parents around here. Talk to me or Nikki about any of these things. So those are the first two ways. And finally, another way to maybe just start dipping your toe into getting to know people around here is um, this is something that, that you might have seen in the email from Nikki this morning. But the last Tuesday of this month, August 31st, we're going to have a community night slash sort of going back to school celebration. Um, we're going to eat dinner together from 6 to 7 p.m. We've been doing these parking lot picnics where we eat together from 6 to 6.30, and that half an hour is really tight, you all know, to get dinner and get here and try to snarf down food before 6.30. So we're going to eat from 6 to 7. We're going to provide the food for you. Um, we're keeping it a little low-key right now and simple, so we're going to have pizza and salad. And then at 7, we'll come back here in this room and, and worship together and have a little family meeting as a church so that I can give you some updates about where we're at and, and kind of what we're thinking about uh, for the future. So sign up to feed some parents with new babies, help out around here on Tuesdays, and come hang out with us on the 31st. Okay? Sound good? Great. I hope you're all there, every last one of you. Uh, so in closing, we're called to live lives worthy of the gospel, to work out what God is working in, to live lives like Jesus who humbly looked to the needs of, of us above himself. How can we shape our lives and our church in such a way that we can actually have some idea of, of the needs of each other so that we can actively begin to love one another? Will you pray with me? God, thank you for um, 
what a gift this community is and how rare it increasingly is becoming. God, I pray that you would give us a vision of what it looks like to be a community that is connected in a very disconnected world. God, we want to uh, care for one another. We want to take care of each other. We want to be Jesus for each other and be a picture to the outside world of what life lived with you can look like. So would you help us figure out how to do that in such a strange and awkward moment in time? We love you, God. Amen.